0: Hello, I'm Kristen Marshand, and welcome back to the Yopiango Line and our conversation this week with three members of the Plevin family, Joanne, Linda, and Marilyn, who are all part of that famous clan who used to own and operate the Lakeside Pavilion, that memory-making old dance hall that still sits like some grand old ghost, seemingly forever nestled among the tall pines along the shores of Lake Kameniskag on the outskirts of Barry's Bay. It's now occupied by Grumbling Granny's retail store, But back in the day, there was no other place on earth to be on a Saturday night than down there among those whispering pines. Let's listen in again and hear once more about those grand old days when square dancing was all the rage and everybody knew what the caller meant when he said it was time to tamarack her down. Let's pick
1: up, uh, Linda, where you left off. So there is no... When the rest of the community is having leisure time, you guys are going to work. So you start working at the Lakeside Pavilion.
2: And I was in grade four, so that was what, 11 years old, 12 years old?
1: And I would have been 19... <sighs>
2: Depending on what my age was. <laughs> but anyways... Uh, the, the 60s. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. And so, my first job, and the only job I had, was to clear the bottles from the tables in the dining area and wipe the tables off.
1: For those people, like those of us who remember I guess it was operating still in the '70s, because I remember being there. It was the, it was something called the Loggers Restaurant or something. Yeah, that, that
2: was after Mom sold it. Yeah,
1: okay. Yeah. So, describe it for people who didn't know it. Uh, how was it set up uh, that you remember? It was it was a dance hall, but it was a restaurant.
2: Well, there was the dance hall part, and then there was a dining area around where people could come and and, uh, have a a drink of pop. We sold three different kinds, ginger ale, coke, and orange, and uh, 10 cents a bottle, and they were allowed to smoke, so I also had to clean ashtrays and and make sure the ashtrays were emptied and everything, but there was also snacks, there was chips, chocolate bars, gum. Peanuts. Uh, peanuts, that's right. And, and mom's and mom would sell sandwiches, she would sell ham, tomato and cheese, and also hot dogs. And so that was basically what was sold in the kitchen part for people to snack on while they were while they were dancing and in between dancing and everything. So well,
1: what were the hours of operation though? So it wasn't a restaurant that ran from No no a, you know, nine to nine, seven days a week. No, the
2: dance started at nine? And it ended at 12, depending on daylight saving, it would end at 1.
1: So was, was this on Saturday? Every
2: Saturday night.
1: So there was no Friday or Thursday? Mm-hmm. So it's once a week there was a dance mm-hmm. for four hours? Yeah. And, and you ran, it wasn't really a restaurant then, it was more a concession stand. Mom,
2: yeah, it was basically, yeah, a concession okay. stand. And Mom, Mom was the boss and there was another girl that would help her wait on people. And uh, at the beginning, like I said, my job was to clear. I couldn't sell because I wasn't sure about money yet and everything. They didn't. So I would have to keep the cooler full of pop. Um, I would have to make sure that the tables were cleared and the ashtrays were cleared and that everything was cleaned up and the bottles were picked up so that if Bottles yeah. fell on the floor, and somebody kicked them. There wouldn't be any yeah. breaking or anything like that. So
1: that was my job. Do you remember what the building, the capacity was like? Usually, most nowadays, you're fire coded for like 50. I know the uh, the Legion is 200, the Senior Center is 120. What's the capacity? That I you... think
2: the capacity was uh, close between 250 and 300, but very often there was it's
3: some... five. It was more like five, five especially. On a long weekend, yeah. Because on a long weekend, there was a dance Saturday night, and then there was a Sunday midnight dance, dance on Sunday. Sunday. Start, yeah. started at five after twelve, and went till three. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. On the long week, on, on long, long weekends. weekends, and at Christmas, Thanksgiving, New Year's, Easter. Yeah.
1: So let, let me get this straight in my head. If I come home with Christmas in the early '60s, there's a, a the regular dance on Saturday, Saturday night from. Not nine, left, five, 9 12, and, 12 yeah. and then right after it, there's another dance, no,
3: or is it No, no, be, be, you'd have sun, all day Sunday, okay. and then you would, we'd be working. Sunday at midnight, there'd be another dance.
1: When did that start and stop? Because I've never heard of that before. That started, that, that, that was always. That was always. Always. Yeah. always. Always.
2: And then, Sunday mornings, we pick bottles. Yeah, out of, from the yard, and uh, and we had to help clean the dance hall.
1: Okay, and so this is basically going. You guys participate in this in the fifties, but when your father starts the first one and then the second one, this Clebbins Lakeside Pavilion tradition, if you call it that, starts in about nineteen forty-five and it goes through. Until 1967 no, or
2: 1971, I 19...
1: so <laughs> think. Yeah, 71 Your yeah. mother kept it going after She tried things. for about four or five years. Yeah, four years. Like in
2: 1971, she sold the building. Yeah.
1: Okay. That's that's a very different experience of your kids. Like, I'm, I'm thinking, that's hard work. That's a lot <laughs> of hard work.
2: I didn't know what, what a weekend was because mm-hmm. we worked every weekend. Mm-hmm. Like, kid, uh, kids at school would say, oh, we're going out to the restaurant or we're going to the movies or whatever. If I was going to a movie, I could only go Friday night yeah. because Saturday night was definitely mm-hmm. out there. Yeah. And when we got married, we, had we to get could married. get married on Saturday. It had to be Friday because Saturday night was the dance. Yeah.
1: Did did, did he, your parents rent it out for weddings yes. and things like that too? Yeah. So. Besides the dance, there were other activities that went on there, too. Because I've heard people saying they got married at mm-hmm. the Pavilion. Mm-hmm. So they would do that, like, on a Saturday afternoon? No, nope. no, no,
2: no. Mondays were the
1: wedding days.
2: Or, really? for or Fridays. Or Fridays? Or Friday? yeah. yeah. I got married on a
3: Friday. Okay. Um, I got married on a
2: Friday. Yeah. But, would,
3: but we had would, to. Would, would, and we had our dinner and our dance and everything at the hall. But it's, So because... We want to use the hall, we had to get married on a Friday then. You didn't even question getting,
1: didn't if, think about if it. If you had a wedding, you could, you could cater up to 250 people there? No, not the people that have that. Of us. wedding. us.
2: Not but, us, no. Yeah. There were women that would cater weddings. Okay. And they would come, for example, if there was a wedding on a Monday, which was a very popular day to have a wedding when I was a kid, I can remember. Mm-hmm. The cooks would come in on Sunday, and <clears throat> they'd do all the cooking in
1: the kitchen at the dance hall, ready for the all-day wedding on Monday. Okay. Tell me about, I mean, one of the great traditions is the music connected with the Lakeside Pavilion, and I'm particularly thinking of the stories I've heard from Teresa Prince, for instance, about the square dancing, mm-hmm. Donnie Pawbeski, the square dancing, mm-hmm. Joel Joe Poplinski and the whatever oh, they, the, the Madawaska Valley, the Mel- Mel- Ramblers. Yeah. What do you remember of those elements? Like, do you remember growing up listening to that music or uh, watching the square dancing? Was that something? Yeah, if you weren't working. Yeah. Yeah.
3: (laughs) But the the hall when it first started, I remember there was a jukebox in the hall because I remember I was having tons of those seventy eight records, and that was the music. And I I can still picture jukebox in the hall, and that's how what how the music was provided. I don't know how long that went on, but then I remember there was a band, there were two men from Madawaska that would come up. One played the sax, and I would think the other one was a guitar player when I started singing, but who was doing what. Um, Mickey Mm Romlasky played the The violin, violin. the fiddle. Um, Mr. MacArthur played the piano, and Johnny Coolis. Call for the squares. There was always three parts of the square dance, mm-hmm. yeah, and I forget, was it four squares each night? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they the square dances. Yeah. But they they played, and then um, I remember Dad going and asking Joe Paplinski if he and the boys would be interested in coming and playing. And um, when they started, that would have been in the early 60s. Or maybe yeah, early 60s, and so they brought a different type of music than they still had the square dances, uh, but then the band, the singers were younger, so you had more of the the current music being played. When those other gentlemen played, I remember a couple times hearing them, and it was old music,
2: <laughs> yeah. and it was polkas, yeah.
3: waltzes, that kind of thing. Yeah. But it was nothing current, there was, and I don't think anybody sang, it was all instrumental and he had like the bass, yeah, it was Walt, that kind of
1: music. Yeah. But, but that's where the, Teresa Prince and Donny Balbeski are telling yeah. me that they loved that old music, that was, the, that was the music they wanted. They weren't interested in Mick Jagger or the Beatles or anything like that in the 60s, they wanted mm-hmm. uh, the old traditional Polish music yeah. as they call it.
3: But see, uh, Mr. Balbeski, my father-in-law, um, he very much was part of the band, and he brought the old music to the yeah, square was, dances. Yeah. Now his son Cyril also played the f- the fiddle, and and he very much picked up on some of the on many of the not all of those tunes. Did, did
1: you marry
3: one of the Yes, <laughs> You met him when you were going out. Oh, was that oh yeah? Okay. David. Oh.
1: okay yeah. So. Did, did you meet your husband uh, at one of the, the bands? <laughs> Yeah,
3: he came, he played the drums, and I, I sold tickets for many years. Admission tickets? Okay. So, yeah, and then he went to Chalk River, I went to Pembroke, so that was, we actually didn't see each other the first year or so. But then he got a car, so then we would okay. see each other.
1: Okay. Yeah. With, with the uh, pavilion, though, given this type of community, there are issues, but there, there is a history of, you know, let's, uh, Evan Bloom for instance has a song uh, in that album that he did about, you know, Barry's Bay calls Whitney up for a fight uh-huh. and it has to happen down at the pavilion.
3: Those were the rough
1: times. Yeah, but, but, but there's sort of two sides to it. It's kind of like your, your story of you know, people might think going down to the pavilion is a great thing because it's their leisure time, but you have to work there. <laughs> the violence, and that's what it was, uh, people took advantage of the location. Uh, how did you see that kind of story? Because uh, I know that, I think in the 60s, there was one major rumble. And I think it was between Whitney and, and Killu, well, they were always at each other. they all yeah. got yeah. into it, and yeah. uh, the cops were all over the place. What was that like for for the pleban family to have to deal with because you you're trying to run a business that provides entertainment, and instead you're in the middle of a a community mm-hmm. that doesn't know how to behave itself
2: It, it was, was stressful, ain't yeah, it was stressful ahead. but. We never. I never worried because Dad had control. Dad, they had a respect for Dad. Mm-hmm. If they started anything, like he was very, he was a big man. Yeah. he was over six feet, and he he wasn't fat or the muscular. Or, you know, very muscular. He was very because he worked hard. And so, if something started in the dance hall, Dad was there immediately. Yeah. And if they were having a big disagreement he basically grabbed the two of them and out the door they went and then they could do what they wanted outside but they, he would not let them back in so the dance still went on people could have a good time but of course you'd always have everybody wanting who's fighting yeah. running out to see who's yeah. fighting it would happen i remember time and time again going home and. Dad would have the dance hall locked up, he would have all the lights out and we'd leave and there would still be cars and guys still showing each other. Mm-hmm. And then what they would do is they would meet uptown at Millie Zilney's chip truck <laughs> and finish it off there or go to Anna's at the, yeah. at the gas station yeah. and finish it off there, yeah. like whatever. That's what they did. you know. Yeah. I can remember, I was telling Joanne, Dad would kick guys out of the dances. And they'd be gone for two weeks, three weeks sometimes. And I always had to write the letters because I could type. So he would tell me what to put in them, make them very official. He'd sign them, send a registered letter to that person. And it would have to be registered so they'd make sure they get it. Then they weren't allowed back at the dance hall for whatever length of time he had kicked them out. And that was his way of keeping things calm and... And the next few weeks, you know, that people could come and have a really good time. And, yeah. and I know they say, "Oh, when you talk to people, oh, that was where there was a fight every Saturday yeah. night." There wasn't.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: But every Saturday night, people came and enjoyed themselves and had a yeah. good time dancing. Yeah. It. So. But
1: it's different when you're on the inside looking out. But I, I, uh, but working there, it, it's a tough, it's a tough job mm-hmm. for you know if you're in grade four. I'm thinking if my understanding of reality in grade four would have been pretty different than even when I was fourteen or sixteen. So is is it a happy place that you think of when you think of uh, the lake side pavilion or is it a a place that you just would rather forget?
4: Mixed emotions for me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We figured out
2: one time how many hours we spent our life. how many years that was. Yeah. It was quite a few years, yeah. all told, yeah. in the things that we had to do there. But
3: you never questioned it? Did you we never know?
2: questioned yeah. it because, Dad would say, that's your livelihood. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. What, what, what was his and your mother's response to it as the years went by? They obviously were married in, what, 45? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, they were there, obviously, until 67. So they must have had years of that. Uh, did, they, did, did they like it? Did they enjoy
3: it? I think they did to a point. MJ to- called me last week, and he told me something that I never knew about mom and dad that he remembers. He said, "The Saturday night, he said mom and dad were still at home. The bedroom, the bedroom door was closed, so he opened it and walked in, and he saw mom." on one side of the bed and dad on the other and they were saying the rosary and dad said it's okay MJ we'll be soon done close the door MJ said I don't know if they did it every every week but he said I remember that.
1: See we used to say the rosary in our household every night. Yeah we could be in the middle of a football game on the back 40 and tear seeded yell at the back door rosary, so we would go we stop the football game, go in and say the rosary, It'd take about fifteen minutes, and then we'd come back mm-hmm. out. And A lot of people in the neighborhood uh, yeah, it was part of would, your would do that. Family so, tradition. Yeah.
3: But this was something I never knew, and I don't know if her mom and dad would have had the time to do it. Because Saturday was a busy day for all of us. Yeah. We all had our jobs to do and
1: now there's a and it's like talking to the black community, there's a word that they hate, the N-word. There is a word associated with the Lakeside Pavilion. I hate it. I hate it. I, I hate it. But I want to get to it. <laughs> I remember, you and I I think were in a split class once, I, I think it was grade four or five, and there were like six, I'll call them grade six students, and the rest were grade five. So you and I'm in a classroom with Jackie Kitts and you and Terry Murray, and I'm a year older and taking. And I remember somebody mentioning the N word, and you broke that into tears. It just—it was so offensive to you. And I've actually tried to deal with people who are—they don't understand what a Confederate flag means to a black person, or they don't understand what pejorative terms can, can mean to people and so I really I don't actually I don't want to use it but I was intrigued to do an interview with Johnny Hinderbrand who told me something I'd never heard before and it's the the origination of the term. Um, he says, back in the 19, I think it was before even he was born, because I think Johnny was like 19, late 20s, early 30s. He's 80, He's I think he's 81 or 82 years old now, so that that, that would have put him into 1940. He
3: birthed, when he was born? He, was born yeah. he would have been born in 1940,
1: yeah? yeah. so one of the things he said they would do, and he lived out on the Hilbert Grand Farm, he remembers as like when he's 10, 12 years old, uh, he'd come into town and the railroad would have these stock pens and they would have, you know, cattle and hogs and stuff like this. And he said one of the traditions that he participated in was something called the hog wrestle, which was they would jump on the pigs in the stock pens, getting ready to be loaded up into to um, the boxcars, and they would attempt to ride them like they were Broncos, and he said the 10 and 12 year old boys all over town did that, and he said that's, that's what the hog wrestle was, it was wrestling these hogs, That, uh, and he said as far as he knew they did that, well the, the, yeah, the stockyards probably came in in the 19... 19- twenties, thirties. Mm-hmm. So by the forties, he said they slowly, but surely didn't uh, exist after. Like I don't remember them in the fifties or sixties. No. Uh, there were, there were. But he says they were there. His uh, and when he's 10, 12 years old, that's what he's doing. So that's where the term comes from. But down here, uh, in grade four or five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's it's a term that's quite offensive. It is. Um, I'm just, why? Why
2: is it offensive? Yeah. Because it's a hog wrestle. The people that went there, went there to have a good time. Uh, and on most cases and most nights, the majority of the time, they did have a good time. Uh, it was a respectable place as far as because we never sold booze. It was always just pop. Booze was not allowed in the building, although other people have said it was sold in there, but it never ever was. The only time there was alcohol in the building is at a wedding when people had a permit to be able to have it at their wedding. But as far as the dances, there was never any alcohol allowed. Um, it was a good, fun time for a lot of people, and then to have these same guys, Keowaloo, Barrys Bay, Whitney, you'd have the same group all of the time coming and just looking for trouble all of the time. and. They have to just show. It was just they have to fight, and so to say, it was a hog wrestle. Yeah, maybe they were a bunch of pigs. As far as I'm concerned, you know what I mean? Maybe they were. Um, and fighting, wrestling, okay, yes, but it just, you know, it, it just is. A thing. I remember, like I spend a lot of time helping Dad out, because I guess just because of my age. And uh, so if he was doing something and he needed an extra hand, the gopher, Mom would say, you go with that and help him. And I can remember, like, he always wanted to make sure. I can remember this one time where he was really upset because somebody had reported to the Ministry of Health that he didn't have enough sinks in his kitchen so that he could have weddings there, because you had to have so many Sinks and you had to have this kind and that. And he wanted to know who reported him, because he, according to what he was told, had enough Sinks. And they were coming to check, and he asked them, well, who reported me, and of course it was the same old thing, well, I'm sorry, we can't divulge their names or anything, and he had an idea, and I remember him saying, you know, I am trying so hard to make something of this place that's respectable and to make sure that it's legal and everything is fine so people can have a place to get married and and he said you get these people that are just jealous and are reporting every little thing yeah. that I do. Yeah. And so to me he that was you know that was his livelihood that was yeah. his business and he wanted it to be You know, respectable, and like I said, I never, well, that was life, if there was a fight started, I worried about him, Yeah. but I was never worried, because I knew he'd have control.
1: Tell me about living here, though, when the dances aren't on, you're living actually in a pretty nice location on on the lake. Do Do you go down to the waterfront? That often, or do you spend? Again, there's no leisure time, I guess. Uh, but, like, I always used to drive past your place and think, oh, what a beautiful place to live, because you're at the pines, and I never knew what kind of beach was down there until I came over on the back end when I was 14. But I always thought this was a really idyllic place to be. But I don't get the sense you guys got to enjoy the. Oh, during
3: the week we did. We did. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. during okay. the week. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And birthdays, Ma, we, the, when one of us had a birthday, there was always a party, and it could be 10, 15, 20 girls. Okay. I remember when we moved here then, it was wheel roast, because we could have a wheel roast. The girls, I went the school was good because he didn't live along the lake yeah. so, and mom and dad were really good that way um, of course again when the uh, family came home aunts and uncles and cousins well this kind of would be a gathering spot at some time during their visit and uh, yeah we'd have a great old time and the water was used
1: do, do, um, like I, I think if you know I talk to people in town and they'll talk about you know the memories they have but the fond memories they have of growing up would be Going for you know, a skate to the the old gray lady, Christmas, uh, playing in the snow, etc. What are your memories of growing up here? Was it like wiener roast down on the water well, and fishing, fishing? You went fishing. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, Dad would went. take us fishing. Just out here. Yes, uh, ice fishing or in boats.
4: In boats and ice fishing was Alan Lake. Why would
2: you put Alan Lake? I don't know. A <laughs> bunch of them used to go. Yeah. Families, we'd go as
1: families. Yeah, you and your mother went too. Oh, rush?
3: yeah, yes. and we'd go. We'd go night. skating on the lake, and we'd have a big winter roast And there was a group. There was a group of families, and we, in the winter time, the men always went. We didn't always go to every weekend, but certainly on Sunday the men went fishing. Dad was one of that, a member of that group. But certainly before the winter was over, especially. As when they knew that the ice on the lake was safe, then all the families would come and yeah, we there were little hills there, we'd go tobogganing and… That oh yeah, we, I've uh,
1: never, like I think of Teresita, we, MJ and my father would take the six boys. Sheila never went fishing with us, Teresita never went fishing oh, with yeah, us. yeah, I did. I, I, I never went fishing with any female, that, that just wasn't done. Yeah. You mm-hmm. went as a family? Oh. Mm-hmm.
2: In well, the winter like that yeah yeah, in
3: the winter in the summertime that was daddy, dad's relaxation often was going fishing, and usually one of, usually at least one of us would go
4: yeah, I remember him taking m j and I fishing for bass, oh, okay. and oh, yeah, and we'd catch rock bass usually, they usually always went back, but uh yeah, in the evenings, go for a couple of hours, just back and forth along the shore just here. Out, yeah, just yeah. out. Shore. It was an aluminum boat with yeah. the motor and just trolling. <laughs> and, and it was good fishing because um, him putting the tile in the water was a good place for the the bass to hang out. Yeah. They like to hang out in there. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, the fishing was good.
2: <laughs> and I remember going with him. We would go. We would troll. We'd go from Vicuski's Point to Cartozy Lodge, yeah. but back again and that would take us an evening to do that. And I remember I think I was fourteen. For my birthday, I got a fishing rod. And it was twenty dollars. <laughs> and that was a lot of money to yeah. spend on a fishing rod at that time. And that I had that fishing rod till I don't know how long I, I had it for a very long time. But I was so proud that I got this fishing rod and we fished. We'd fish mm-hmm. three, four evenings a week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When he was finished, whatever work he had to finish, okay, let's go fishing and we'd troll.
1: Would, would, would your
2: mother go fishing with no, you? No, not then. No, no. no. Because MJ was no. little and you were yeah. yeah. You guys were picking blueberries. Mom would make Some us pick blueberries, oh my gosh. And
3: strawberries and raspberries across the road. <sighs>
1: And again, a lot of people have the same stories. They, they sort of, There was the strawberries, well strawberries in June, blueberries, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. And, then, and other people went out and they did choke cherries and gooseberries, yeah. And, yeah. and some people picked blackberries, I could never find them, yeah. but uh, blue- blueberries we were, Tom Murray was an inventor of blueberry picker, so all his kids, including mm-hmm. my mother, his daughter, that's a good part of your summer was spent picking blueberries.
3: Well, the blueberries are very prim- uh, plentiful along here.
1: Yeah. Well, we used to go up yeah. what's, uh, they call it Stafford Mountain, it's uh, where the water tower is. Oh, yeah. And uh, we, we'd be up there picking blueberries,
2: yeah. but I just hated picking yeah. Mom would pick the bowl, the size of the dish, Yeah. and before we could go to swim with our friends, or before we could go to the beach where they were, the public beach, if we were meeting up with, P- with kids, we'd have to pick the container that she put out for us to pick, uh-huh. and then we could go. And even in the evenings, we'd have wanted to go for a swim. She had to pick her blueberries, because she loved to pick her blueberries, and so we'd have to wait till she was finished. Even though she couldn't swim, she'd have to sit at the beach and watch us swim, yeah. And I used to say to her, "What are you going to do if we drown?" She said, I "Guess I'll watch it. because <laughs> she couldn't swim and she didn't go where really, go in the water. But we could swim.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I remember you were in swimming lessons because we were roughly the same yes. age. Yeah. So it, did you all take sort of swimming no, lessons? No, we didn't.
2: No. Joanne and I did I
4: Thank heaven, okay. Jane and I did. Yeah, because
1: yeah. I remember you guys at the beach. We lived
2: and we lived in our bathing suits yeah. in the summertime. Yeah. So get up in the morning, put your bathing suit on. If you had a chance to puddle around we used to pick frogs we used to <laughs> put out the logs so that there'd be frogs the next day and and you know we we were in the water but we couldn't swim unless mom was watching okay Maybe.
1: yeah did you you're, you're you're out of town a bit but you were part of the swimming uh, when you're in high school you're participating you, you ever feel like you were you were not part of, uh, uh, sort of the downtown community that you spent a lot of time. It's like, you know, you talk to Teresa Prince and she'll tell you that. we live five miles out of town, yeah, so uh-huh. we had a different life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, one of the things, and I didn't know this, uh, the so called, se- uh, you know, there was a separate school and the public school. Mm-hmm. And the public school was 90% Catholic. Right. Why? Because the separate school had no bus oh, program, right. so Teresa oh, really? couldn't come mm-hmm. to school unless that's she went right. to the public school.
2: Yeah. So
1: it just it shocked me that I. Meanwhile, uh, like, you know, Paul McMichael and Roger Trant, who I grew up with when they're in high school, they're obviously going to the public school because they're not Catholic, and they could never figure it out. how happened with all these
2: Catholics going to mm-hmm.
1: school all the time?
2: And when. We were growing up. There was two Protestant families: that McDonald's from the Pleasure Point, was it? And Moffats. Those were the only two kids that weren't Catholic that went to the public school. The rest were all Catholic kids.
3: Oh, really? Yeah.
2: And even when I went back and I was teaching in 1985, 86, 87, we were 75 percent Catholic kids. I mean, yeah. you know. Hmm.
1: But and I, I was curious too about that because once the Ramford County Separate Board got busing, mm-hmm. you would have thought that they might have changed mm-hmm. and gone to St. John Bosco, but the tradition had been set. Their parents had gone to mm-hmm. Sherwood Public, so they kept going to Sherwood yeah. Public. Uh, like my my uncle Lorney Conway, used to drive the bus to mm-hmm. Sherwood, so he was always familiar with who went to what school. Uh, okay, just a couple more questions uh, before we wrap up. Uh, generally, as I say, if you the older you get, the more you sometimes think you're turning into your parents. What are the kind of values that you think you possess, or ways you do things, or the hobbies you have, or uh, even the careers you chose, that essentially come from your... Your
3: parents? Uh... Mom and Dad expected us to do our best all the time. And I think as a parent growing up, um, that's something I carried through with my two sons. <laughs> In some ways, um, Linda was mentioning when we were talking about Mom, and she would he'd want to ask her why she's saying no, and she'd say, because I said so. <laughs> that's one of the things that at times growing up when the boys were younger. I'd almost say, but then I read in a book somewhere where if you're going to say no, make sure you explain to your child why you're saying no. So I always tried to do that. <laughs> but my second son, Michael, used to test us all the time. And I remember one day coming home and rushing to get stuff on the table because somebody had ball or hockey, and he was asking me about something. And uh, and I said no. And he said, why? And I said, because I said so. <laughs> and as I said, oh my God, yes, I've heard that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, high expectations of my family.
1: Tell me about uh, sort of some of the happier times and the happier memories you have of growing up and, and of your parents and grandparents. Like, you really you haven't mentioned things like. You mentioned birthdays, but Christmas a lot. I get a lot of Christmas stories from people about how that tends to be one of the, the happier family memories they have. Uh, was, was, was Christmas a good time around here? Mm-hmm. Or was it work, work, work? No,
2: no, no. No, I, I found that you, could, you could ask for one present. Okay. You know, you got one from Santa. And we didn't get, like, there was maybe another one, if we were able to give gifts to each other, then there was gifts on the tree for Marilyn or Joanne or whatever, you know. But uh, I remember this one time, seeing this doll in the window of Kits's Red and White. And I wanted that doll so bad. And Mom and Dad said, you're too old for dolls. We can't get that doll, but I wanted that doll. That was the only thing I wanted for Christmas was that doll. Well, the doll was under the tree. <laughs> yeah, it was. And that was the last doll, that I remember, it's your last doll. So it was the last one I ever got. But no, Christmas was good, Um yeah.
1: So. yeah. Did you remember particular foods that you would have, uh, not just Christmas, but...
4: Fish on Fridays. Okay, well... <laughs> Fish and chips. Yes. Yeah. And mom made, well, as most women during that time period, made everything from scratch. So she was, she was a good baker. And I remember her tarts, her butter tarts, they were delicious. I've never tasted anything like it since. And pies. And, uh, yeah, I guess I remember the sweets. <laughs>
1: <laughs> have, you, have you collected any of the recipes that uh, your mother or grandparents would have had?
4: Her, my mother's fruit cake at Christmas. Mm. Yeah, yeah and I Christmas. still do it. Yeah, because I made for a number of years. I would come home in November and we'd do it together, okay. just so that I'd get the knack of mm-hmm. how she did it.
1: A- anything that I haven't talked about, mm-hmm. or that you haven't mentioned, or that comes to mind that you want to say before we you're
3: talking about food, uh, Barry. Um, At the luncheon after Mom's funeral, I sat with two girls that I went all through school with, and we were the three of us were reminiscing. And one of them said, oh, she said, all the birthday parties we would go to, and we just loved going because, and Mom did always make a double layer cake, and she said, we couldn't wait to get our piece of cake to see if there was money in between the two layers. She said, your mom always put in money. She'd wrap it in um, wax paper. I completely forgot about that.
2: She'd also put little prizes, like you would get these, maybe, um, I don't know where she got the prizes from, but she would also put them in so that the person that found the coin was lucky. Mm -hmm. But not everybody found, because there was only usually one coin in there, but you would get a prize. Because she placed them so that if you were cutting a slice of cake, that you would get, uh, I don't know what the heck, like just some kind of in, little toy type thing, you know?
3: Could maybe a, pot or a little ring of some kind? Yeah, a little yeah.
2: ring or a little, uh, um, like a little top yeah. or something yeah. like that, you know, and they were in and it was right in the cake and then you'd get it and...
0: That was Joanne, Linda, and Marilyn Plebin discussing their lives and times growing up with their parents, Ambrose and Bernadette Plebin, who once built, owned, and operated Plebin's Lakeside Pavilion down along the shores of Lake Kameniskag. It was the place to be back in the 1950s and 60s, and there are probably as many stories still told about it as were people who once kicked up their heels there over the decades. I'm Kristen Marshand, and with our producer, Barry Conway, we would like to wish you, as we do do on out of here, a good day, and God bless.